What is? What is? What is? What is biblical counseling? Biblical counseling will grow you from brokenness to wholeness. The light bulbs are going off in my head. <laughs> this is like deep. I just haven't thought of it that way. It's mind-blowing to me. I don't know if I've ever had anybody put it that plainly to me before. All this time I've been going to church, this never resonated with me. This is Transformed. And now your host, Assistant Professor of Biblical Counseling at the Masters University and Certified Biblical Counselor, Dr. Greg Gifford. Welcome back to Transformed. My name is Dr. Greg Gifford, and I have the privilege of being your host. And today we are in our second episode regarding the topic of dating. Okay, this topic I know is on many of your minds. I hear from you. I talk with you. There's a jillion different dating questions that I often entertain in counseling contexts. And I, I don't envy being on the dating scene. For those of you that know me well, you actually know that I haven't been in the dating scene in some time. My wife and I met in high school, and we have basically been together ever since. So we started dating at 14 and 15 years old. And the dating scene at 14 and 15 is a little bit different from the dating scene as a young professional. So as I counsel, I'm often hearing and learning and doing my best to observe. And uh, when I get the privilege of doing premarital counseling, and I'm currently involved in three different premaritals all through my local church right now, I'm hearing the trends, I'm learning, I'm doing my best to connect God's word to dating and helping a person discern what it looks like to move towards marriage. But last episode, for those of you that were with us, I introduced the idea of dating and understanding roles. Now, in a dating relationship, you're not just jumping in with both feet into a dating relationship with someone who is not a Christian. Hopefully, you don't do that with friendships either. By dating relationship, I mean you're moving into an exclusive male-female relationship. We're not dating anybody else. You're not going to do that with an unbeliever. Guys, let me save you millions of heartaches. When I read 1 Timothy 5, this is the the point of 1 Timothy 5, that in the church, you're to treat each other as the family of God. If you begin to date someone who is not a Christian, they are not in the family of God, number one. Their worldview is very different, number two. They're not submitted to Jesus as Lord and the final authority and boss of their life. They do not ultimately believe that God's word is truth. So can they be a nice person? Absolutely. Can they be fun? Yes. Can they be attractive? Of course. Can they be uh, a strong young professional? Absolutely to all of those. But over time, when you are not committed to Christ and his word, the strain on your relationship will be palpable. You can't get around it. So hopefully as you're hearing me, I am being very strong as I say. When we're talking about dating qualifications, an unbeliever is not even on the table for qualifications. So I introduced these four different levels of friendship. Number one, understanding the role of a stranger, an acquaintance, a friend, and a best friend. Kind of a, a continuum of least known to most known. So I'm, I'm going to start today's segment by saying understanding roles leads to better communication. Let me see if I can explain that clearly. If I were to ask you, hey, what type of information would you tell a total stranger? Okay, you just met. Hi, this is so-and-so. I know them through work. Oh, great. Nice to meet you, John. My name's Greg. Um, 
I would like to tell you about my deepest, darkest sin. And then John would be like, huh? <laughs> What's the matter with you, man? No, no, no. John, how many kids do you want? <laughs> What's your net worth, John? Give me that social security number. John would be like, okay, turn around, walk away. Greg's a weirdo. Because inwardly, you know, that type of communication with someone that you've just met is obviously inappropriate. You don't trust them. You don't know them. When you understand them to be a stranger, it actually means that you have to get to know them a bit more to develop trust, to begin to share more topics. When I understand roles, meaning, hey, we have just met and you're like a stranger acquaintance to me, then that's going to change what I am willing to share in personal life my personal information. It's going to change what I'm willing to share in spiritual life. Of course, we're willing to talk about our faith. Of course, we're willing to talk about where we go to church. But I am not making you my accountability partner on our first date. And I'm not going to ask for you to pray for the deep discouragements of my heart on our first date. Why? Because that's not appropriate for me to talk to a stranger slash acquaintance in such a way. So my personal information, my spiritual, even into some of your family, your aspirational, like what are your goals? What are you going to talk about with a total stranger and an acquaintance? And if you're going to sit down and get into the weeds of what your personal life, your spiritual life, your work life, your family life, your aspirational future looks like with a total stranger, I'm hoping there's a level of guardedness that you would bring to that. And most of you, if if this were in a non-dating context, you would be guarded about what you are preparing to share. So in a dating context, it is similar. To understand the role is going to help me know what to say and help me to know what not to say. As the relationship grows, so does our communication. So it's kind of this symbiosis. Your communication helps a dating relationship grow. But also, your relationship grows and you communicate more. So as you grow in trust for that person, you are willing to share more with them. Okay, if you've ever been in this context where a person is on their second date and they're talking about how many children they want to have and asking the person they're meeting with, do you want to have kids as well? Sometimes that freaks us out a little bit. Because we're thinking something like, well, I don't know, like I don't want to have children right now if that's what you're asking. And I don't mind sleeping in every now and then. So I don't know, like I'm open to kids, but I I don't know if I'm ready to talk about those things just yet. That's totally fair and appropriate. Yet as that relationship progresses and it's been a year, it's been a year and a half of dating, there should have been some level of communication about do you want to have kids? Do you want to live in this state forever? Do you want to stay in the career that you're in? Do you want to live by family? Are you okay with living away from family? That type of communication grows as your relationship grows. Why? Because we're no longer strangers and acquaintances. We're friends and best friends. And as our relationship continues to grow, then our communication continues to get better. Let me give you a couple of overall things that should get better as you have role clarity when you're dating. Uh, First of all, the frequency of your communication. This is the hardest game in the world, especially for those of you who have just started dating someone. If I call them every day or text them every day, is that too much? How long do I need to wait before I respond to the text message? Those are frequency type of questions. You're like, well, I don't want to seem like a total spaz. 
So I see the message and I'm going to think about it for the next two hours, but I'm not going to respond to it. So I don't come across as being needy. (laughs) Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. You're like strategically timing when you're going to text back at the beginning of a relationship. Of course, because that's frequency. You're thinking about the frequency. I don't want to saturate this person because I'm just getting to know them. They're an acquaintance to me at this point. So as the relationship grows, the frequency of your communication grows to a point that after you're dating for a year, a year and a half, it's expected that you're talking at least once a day, often three or four times a day, just touching base, texting, checking in, calling, whatever that looks like. So frequency. The second thing that grows is what you're willing to talk about. So your topics. On a first date, we're strangers and acquaintances, and there are just certain things that we're not willing to talk about because we're strangers and acquaintances. And if you would like to talk about your own personal sin struggles, it might freak us out a little bit because we're thinking we're strangers, we're acquaintances, we don't know each other yet. But after year one, after a year and a half, there are very few topics that are still off limits. There's a couple that will pertain to marriage exclusively. But in general, like we're starting to open up about all of the different aspects of our life. We are willing to communicate about all of those things. And then, so frequency, topics, and then the third that I would include is the depth of those topics. So after you're dating long enough, what begins to take place is there is no holding back. When you're at that cusp of getting engaged, there is no reserve information. You know, it's like, well, we've been talking about family, but I've never really told you this aspect of my my family. No, I've I've brought it all up at this point. And when you get engaged, that is kind of like the final step for you to share every aspect of what's been taking place. So in premarital, what I'll tell couples regularly is there should be no surprises when you get married. In the premarital process, in the engagement period, when you're best of friends moving towards marriage, you are having the, the deepest. There, there is no recess of communication you're unwilling to talk about. So when you get married, there should be no surprise oh, hey, I forgot to tell you about my relationship with so-and-so. Wait, what? That should have come up at this point. Oh, wait, I need to tell you about some financial commitments that I made when I was still uh, single. Wait, what? We should have talked about that already. I should know about those things. So when you're married, there is zero area in your life where you are unwilling to talk about it. That depth of communication is every topic, every facet, total unity. So as your relationship grows, so does your communication and understanding roles helps you be a better communicator when dating. So when nearing engagement, a year, a year and a half, two years, whatever that timeline is looking like for you, our communication should be at its best and our relationship should be strong. Why? Because we understand each other to be trustworthy, best friends, and we're willing to tell you whatever there is to hear. Whatever it is you want to talk about, we're ready to talk about those things. But on date one, month one, there's no way we're talking about those types of things because we don't know each other at that level. So we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to pick up this idea with understanding roles leads to better depth in relationships. We'll be right back. All right, so we're going to take this quick break, just like Dr. Gifford said, and give him an opportunity to catch his breath. 
But while we do that, I want to draw your attention to a resource that along those same lines could transform how you approach relationships in the dating realm, but also overall, all of the relationships you find yourself in. Ed Welch has a book that we have available at transform.org. The title of said book, When People Are Big and God is Small. And this book, it gets to the very heart of our relationships. Here's a quote that I think kind of overall encapsulates the entire book. This will give you an idea of the wisdom that you're going to find by Dr. Welch. He says, if people are big and their opinion of us counts, then we will find ourselves always pushed and hurried by what they think. But if God is big, we will find ourselves at peace and rest knowing that he is in control. Sounds simple, doesn't it? And I challenge you to actually think on it for the remainder of the day. It puts into perspective what happens when we allow people to become too big in our lives. Because when they become too big, God becomes too small. Whatever relationship we could be talking about, when you put the person in the other side of that relationship, when you elevate their status in your life, that de-elevates God's position. This book, I promise you, it's an invaluable resource if you're seeking to align your relationships with God's will. When People Are Big and God Is Small by Ed Welch. It's available at transformed.org. And look, while you're there at transformed.org, I also want to ask you if you would join us in our mission, which is to preach the gospel equip others to preach the gospel and to strengthen the local church. We need your help to continue that and all of the information on how you can help, how you can become a gospel partner can be found while you're at our website at transformed.org. And speaking of strengthening the local church and equipping others, one of the things that we take pride in is by helping others get on the path to becoming biblical counselors because ooh, our local churches are in desperate need of biblical counselors, certified and trained biblical counselors and biblical counseling ministries. And we have an array of resources that you'll find that will help you kickstart that journey if you've ever thought about it. One of those resources is Mark Shaw's The Heart of Addiction. Addiction runs so much deeper than what you might realize. A lot of the issues that you run across are really just the fruit from a root of addiction. Here's what I'm talking about. In the book, Shaw says, quote, true freedom from addiction comes not from within us, but from without, from God himself. Addiction is a worship disorder. It's a signal that we have placed something else in the place of God. The Heart of Addiction by Mark Shaw, available again at transformed.org. All right, now with all of that said, let's get back to the man himself, Dr. Gifford, as he continues the second part of our discussion on Christian dating. This is Transformed. Welcome back to Transform. The world's definition of beauty is simply not found in the Bible. Instead, the Bible informs us that true beauty is defined not by this world, but by God Himself. And now your host, Dr. Greg Gifford. Okay, welcome back. Thank you for listening and joining us. We've been talking about dating, and I know this topic is near and dear to many of you, or many of you have adult kids that are starting to navigate this particular issue. So dating. In this segment, I'd like to introduce the concept of allowing the relationship to grow in a way that is wise and God-honoring. This is the phrase we'll typically use. Your friend pulls you aside and says, you know what, you've been spending a lot of time with so-and-so, and I'm just concerned that you guys are going too fast. That's all. 
in that, what do we mean by you're going too fast? Well, we mean that you just met this person. You shouldn't quit your job and run away with them. You don't even know each other, right? It's been two weeks. But daddy, I love him. Princess Ariel says to King Trident. And yes, you, you actually may have warm, fuzzy emotions toward this person, but you authentically don't know them yet. And so when a person comes along and says, hey, we're concerned, you're just going a little fast in this relationship. We as your friends care for you. We don't want to see you get hurt. That's what I'm talking about. That thing. Understanding roles leads to a better depth in relationship. When I understand roles, I am not going to give my entire existence my inner and outer person, my vocation, my friend group. I'm not going to give all of that to a person that I've just met two weeks ago. Unfortunately, you and I have both lost friends to individuals who just met that special someone. They don't want to hang out with us anymore. Their, their whole life wraps around that person, and now they don't have time for us. And then that relationship starts to sour, and you and I are like, oh, great. Now you want to hang out with me because a month ago, you didn't have any time for me and you wanted to be with this new love of your life. What are we talking about in that? That person went in too fast. They gave themselves too quickly. They were unguarded and lacked discernment in the way that they pursued that relationship. So we've seen this where a person is going all in on the relationship and it's month one and they're all in. They're committed. They're buying extravagant gifts They're sacrificing time. They're skipping dad's birthday party to go hang out with this individual. And the other person they're dating just doesn't seem to be that connected or that all in or that sacrificial. One in the relationship is all in and the other person is still kind of holding them at an arm's distance. You and I are thinking something like, this isn't good. Like, this isn't good. This is a time bomb. You're giving yourself to that relationship and the other person doesn't seem to be all in like you are. What are we talking about? Well, we're talking about understanding roles and how that will lead to a better depth of relationships. So if you're willing to abandon all of your past friendships for this person you just met three weeks ago, that is not healthy. It's not a God honoring perspective of relationships. If you're willing to skip dad's birthday party for this girl that you just met two weeks ago to go hang out with her, you're missing it. There's something wrong in your prioritization of relationships. If you're willing to buy extravagant gifts for this person you just met one month ago, you're missing it. You need to be more guarded and discerning. You need to reserve your emotions and reserve your affections and hold them back because you're going in too quickly. So wisdom says that it takes time for us to grow this relationship. The depth of our relationship is something that can only occur over time. We are not going to let Hollywood's version of, well, we met, we fell in love, two days later, we got married. We're not going to let that inform this dating relationship. In order for us to be discerning and wise as we enter into this, we're saying something like, we are open to getting to know you more. We're excited about getting to know you more. We really like you, but we are not going to give ourselves to you until there has been a demonstrated level of faithfulness to Christ and faithfulness to us. If I am not guarded and discerning in some way, then I give my emotions, my affections, my inner person to that individual, and they haven't committed themselves to me in that way, or they haven't demonstrated they're worthy of that by being faithful to Christ and faithful to me, consequently. So wisdom says it's going to take time for that relationship to grow. 
I have to tear back. I have to hold back giving myself to that. Think of it in in terms of quarters. I don't mean like a quarter of a dollar. I mean like the calendar. In your first three months, you're just getting to know each other and that's it. Like we're we're just trying to figure out like where are you from? How many how many uh, siblings do you have? What do you do for a living? Like that's the first three months. In the next three months, we're hopefully friends and we've identified the nature of our relationship, but yet we're just friends. We're not best of friends. I have other friendships that I'm maintaining. And in those other friendships that I'm maintaining, I am dating this one individual, but I I haven't forsaken all other friendships in my life. I haven't forsaken my dad's birthday party. You know, I I see that this person is more and more exclusive, but over the next six months, we're we're growing in dedication to each other, but yet we're still not completely there. We're, We're not completely exclusive. I have other priorities in my life and they have to know that. And I'm hoping they have other priorities in their life too. And then over nine months or so, we're starting to move into that best friend status. Like if everything's going well, we're communicating, we're honoring the Lord, we're respecting each other, we're being pure. If that's taking place, then about nine months, you'll find that people often get pretty serious in a relationship. And when one year strikes, most folks are, are they're asking something like this, what are we? Are we going to get married or are we not getting married? Around one year, people start to ask that question. There's something about that one year mark where a person begins to think like, what are we? What type of relationship? And that is where either you get kind of panicky and you're like, oh no, I'm not ready for marriage. No. Or you're like, yeah, you know, I, I, it's not a matter of if, it's just a matter of when we get engaged. Great. That's great. And then past a year, year and a half, two years, you're talking about engagement and marriage. That's great. And let's Let's just say that's the way that a typical relationship that's honoring to the Lord, it's growing and building itself up in a way that's healthy is going to develop. But a year, year and a half, two years, it's time to talk about marriage. Let me say it in another way now, and you guys will identify with this. We're not talking about marriage, date one, month one. Someone that wants to talk about that, we have great concern for, honestly, because you're an acquaintance to me and I don't know you well enough to even know if you're a candidate for marriage. So no, like no. But let's also develop it to the other side. If we've been dating two years and you're unwilling to talk about marriage, there is still a significant problem here. And if this is a guy who is unwilling to commit, ladies, please hear me on this as your brother in Christ, maybe younger or older, however that works for you, that if you have a guy that you've been dating for two years and he's unwilling to talk about marriage, there is a problem in your relationship. It is not fair to you for him to continue to lead you on as an acquaintance or friend when you have been in this exclusive relationship that should be building towards marriage. So if he's unwilling to talk about it, yes, you should have great concerns for him and great concerns for his commitment toward you. And it stinks to say that, but I've seen too many ladies kind of get dangled on and what takes place is the guy then breaks up at year two and a half and it just feels like that would have been really nice to know at year one or month nine, something like that. So as you understand roles, it helps us not move too fast in a relationship, but it also helps us to move that level of depth is going to correspond to understanding roles. So wisdom is going to say it takes time to grow. And if you have found that person that you're committed to marrying, great. Do that if they're a qualified candidate according to the scripture. Do that. But still, let there be time for that to be proven. 
And when you let time continue to show this person as a godly candidate, then what will take place is you will see that that person is, they're not different. You're just more in love with them, more appreciative of them, and more excited about marrying them. So use these principles as a guide. And for you as the listener, as you're thinking of those that are dating and asking these types of questions, I would encourage you to forward these episodes over to them. Many people are looking for answers based off of the scripture. So kick this over to them and say, hey, check out what Dr. Gifford's been sharing about dating. I think this will be a blessing to you. So as always, let me finish today by praying for you guys that the Lord would give you wisdom. And for those of you that are are in the dating game, let me pray that the Lord would bring that right person to you in a way that honors him and blesses you. Lord, we trust your wisdom is enough because James 1.5 says that you give us the wisdom that we need. And I pray for those that are in the dating game right now that you would give them patience to know how to go out and meet people, but then to also be discerning in the people that they meet. I pray for those that are in relationships now, that as they're dating and trying to figure out who this other person is, that you would give them eyes to see, that you would help them to depend on your word, which gives clarity, that you would help them depend on wise counsel that surrounds them. And as that is practiced, that it would actually strengthen their relationship with those that they're dating. Lord, I pray that dating would be even another opportunity for us to bless others and to respect others in the body of Christ. And may this be something that just brings peace in our own minds, clarity. And as we figure out what roles look like, may it be something that actually makes us better at these types of dating relationships. So give us grace for this, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This has been Transformed with Dr. Greg Gifford, a production of Gospel Partners Media. Our website, transform.org, is your central hub for finding in-depth information on all things transformed. If you've enjoyed Transformed with Dr. Greg Gifford, consider subscribing and sharing with your friends. And also prayerfully consider joining this labor of love by becoming an ongoing monthly gospel partner. Thank you for listening. And until next time, go serve your kids. King.